Ever since you can remember, you felt something in your chest telling you to move, to love, to speak, to try. Day after day, you pretend you don't hear it calling, or maybe you dismiss it as silliness or worse. But it's there, ready for you, and it will wait for you as long as you need. My name is Johnny G, and I invite you to join me on a journey of awakening as we dare to embrace our light. This is Refractive. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Refractive Podcast. Today, I have a good friend of mine joining us to talk about a topic that's near and dear to both of our hearts. I am pleased to introduce you to Phil Reese. He's the host of the Whole Phil Podcast. He is also a DJ and a web developer based out of Washington, D.C. How are you doing today, Phil? I'm wonderful. How are you? Good. I'm so happy that you're on Refractive. It just, it, uh, it's going to be some really nice quality content today. Awesome. I'm, I'm excited too. Yes. And when you and I were planning the episode, we decided to talk about something that's near and dear to both of our hearts. Uh, it is the process of being in recovery and the wisdom that people in recovery are given by uh, the literature and the traditions um, and by working the, the 12 steps. And so many times, because my listeners know I'm in recovery and now they know you're in recovery, so many, uh, so many times I've said to other people in recovery, boy, I just wish everyone had access to some of the tools and wisdom that we have access to because it's truly life-changing. Absolutely. I completely agree. Um, you know, I, it, for, for most of my life, I kind of felt like everybody else in the world had like this owner's manual for life and I, I didn't get one. And, uh, and I kind of got that owner's manual for life once I uh, started doing 12-step recovery. Yeah, absolutely. So what, what do you say we just jump right in? Let's do it. All right. So you and I kind of brainstorm a list of some of the nuggets of wisdom that have been most useful to us. And um, on the top of the list, it's about surrendering and people who are listeners of uh, refractive podcasts and also people who've enjoyed the spiritual aspects of your podcast. I'm sure that they're not uh, that they're not going to be surprised by the concept of surrendering. And we call it in recovery, living life on life's terms. So what has your experience with that philosophy of life on life's terms? How has that impacted you? Oh, my God. Well, it's not something that's ever come natural to me. Um, <laughs> it's something I have to work on every single day. But when I do, the benefits are, are amazing. Uh, let me tell you a quick story. You know, um, I'm kind of a I'm a I'm kind of a panicker um, and um when things go wrong, my or when things don't go as planned, my head goes to catastrophe. Um, a couple months ago, because uh, my day job is working for a university and we do graduations and I'm kind of in charge of recording those sort of things and release, you know, publishing and 
promoting the recordings of those things. Um, we were doing our very first Zoom graduations last May. And uh, things were going really well. I was really surprised at how well they were going. Um, and then, uh, so we had to break up graduation to like five or six ceremonies. At like ceremony five, 15 minutes beforehand, my power goes out. The whole neighborhood's power goes out, right? Mm. And I'm supposed to be the one recording it. Like, <laughs> um, and so like old Phil would have totally panicked uh, if I didn't r reach a solution uh, quickly, which you really can't reach a solution very quickly when you're panicking. Um, I would have just gotten frustrated, given up, probably started drinking. Um, and I didn't do any of that. I, you know, at this point in May, my meditation practice had been pretty solid for a while. And, um, I, uh, so I kind of, it, the power went out and it's not like I was like, oh, great, glad, but I was able to keep calm and serene mm -hmm. and accept my powers out. Yeah. What now? What's the, we didn't plan for this, but what, what can I do? Yeah. Um, and uh, I immediately contacted the president of the university, let her know what was going on and contacted my immediate supervisor and said, here's how you could record this ceremony for me and then send it to me afterwards. Um, and, uh, and so he did, he got it recorded and it was fine my power was restored within an hour so by the next ceremony i was back to normal yeah um but that's the sort of thing i would have just hit the wall over before and yeah. so it's really important to um be mindful of practicing this all the time yeah because it gets rusty real fast and because i was in a mindset already because I'd been really working my meditation practice and I'd been working the 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 philosophies and the program to you know to keep this front and center in my mind I was able to accept it surrender to the reality that yeah. I had no control over yes and um and then uh change you know, my actions, the only thing I have control over my actions, thoughts and judgments, change my ac actions accordingly. And it went fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I was raised in a way that led to me believing that I needed to be the master of my universe. And it wasn't just He-Man that taught me that, right? Like it was, it was everything. It was, if I don't um take control things will hurt me and i even have been let's say called out several times by friends for even approaching dating relationships in the same way i would approach a work problem i, I would say well what do you do if you're having issue with someone you're dating i would analyze the variables I would remove the variables that aren't necessary. And then I would deal with the problems um, individually in priority. And someone's like, wow, you can't approach 
a romantic relationship like that. Like they're not your employee. You can't just fix problem A, then problem B, dismiss problem C. And I was like, of course I can. That's how you're effective in life. And this was the way that I lived. And it's a painful way to live, which is counterintuitive. It feels like that is a, it feels like that's an organized, effective, smart way to live. But the fact is, there's so little that we have control over that when we hang our entire day on being able to do A, B, and specifically C, and they don't happen, it hurts, right? So the concept of life on life's terms, as I've learned it through recovery, is that there's literally nothing you can control but yourself. All you can do is show up and moment by moment, analyze what's the next best thing for you to do. We call it, right, the next right action. What's the next right action I can take in this time? And it's it seems like, it seems so basic now that I say it, but it was revolutionary for me. How about you? Like, did it feel like a major shift in how you approach your life? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, like I said, I was a catastrophizer, uh, and, and like you, I was raised, you know, that I had to figure everything out. I had to be very independent. Um, and, um, you know, I, I was the master of my own destiny and if, if, uh, something went wrong, it was my fault and I had to fix it. Um, and you know i can do a lot of damage to my life even now even uh even though i've i've changed quite a bit um but i do accept that that so much is out of my control yeah and that's okay yeah and because all that same stuff is out of everyone's control they're just fooling themselves into thinking that it is that's the point that's the point and when you fool yourself into when you delude yourself that way like you said, it's a miserable way to live. Yes. It is you can't be ha- you can't possibly be happy if your happiness hinges on you getting uh, and things going according to your plans. Yes, and things going your way in it, you know because it's just not going to happen. Yes, um, and even if it happens for a little bit, it's unsustainable. Mm-hmm. And this is this is the key of the concept of surrendering that we focus on so heavily in recovery. And I'm telling you for my listeners, like the concept of surrendering to what is will change your life because it's the paradox that we don't have power. Any, like you said, anything we think we can do to, uh, to, to cause a particular impact in our day, our life, the world, another person, that's all illusion. And when you just surrender to the fact that I, I'm not God, I can't make things happen. I can show up with my intentions and let go of the results. This is how you get power. You get power by not fighting, you know? It's my yeah, favorite. Absolutely. So let's move on to uh, to the next topic that we have, which is um, designing a higher power or a God or whatever type of being that 
feels right to you, designing one that works for you. Can you explain what it means to design a higher power uh, according to what works for you? Absolutely. Um, I mean, it might sound sacrilegious to some people to design your own higher power. Right. Um, but uh, what it's about for me is, um, you know, again, we're looking at reality like we were with uh, accepting life on life's terms. We're looking at what what is really going on, what what is real to us, um, and um, and uh, what what is possible, and um, and so. Um, we're looking at our realities. I'm looking at my reality and my higher power has to make sense in my reality or else I'm not going to be able to turn to my higher power. Um, I have to be able to believe in it. Uh, and so, um, you know, designing my higher power um, uh, has been, uh, I mean, it's been a lifelong um, effort for me. I've always been a spiritual seeker. I was raised uh, Roman Catholic, but I have not been Roman Catholic for a long, long time. Um, but for me, it's really important that my higher power um, be able to inspire me yeah. to do what is right. Mm -hmm. um, in those moments that I have to accept life on life's terms, I have to make choices in those moments. Right. And I need my higher power to inspire me to make the right one. Um, and my higher power has to look out for me. Yeah. Um, and so um, that's that's really all I really need to know about my higher power. Yeah. Beyond that, nothing's really knowable. You mm -hmm. know, um, if you have uh, some sort of a spiritual higher power, but you can even have. You know, I, I talked to I talked to a lot of agnostics and atheists um, in recovery. And, um, you know, you, your, your higher power doesn't have to be like a, a, a dude in the sky, you right. know, it just mm -hmm. needs to be, um, it, it, it need, you need to accept that there are things bigger than you. Yes. And that is where you can start with a higher power. There right. are things bigger than me. There are things more powerful than me. Um, some are good, some are bad. So I need to focus on those things bigger than me that are good for me, that are good for my community. Uh, and that's where my higher power, I can begin designing my higher power. Yeah. And that really helped me early on in sobriety. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And so I want to kind of break this up into two, two parts. The first part talking to listeners who might be atheist or agnostic. Um, what does it mean to have a higher power if it's not a sentient being? If it's not a God, then what is a higher power? And, you know, what I would offer is that, uh, you know, in, in the 12 steps, and this is the wisdom that you and I are, are, are excited to share with the listeners, um, in the 12 steps, if, if it doesn't matter if someone has a God or not. Uh, like you said, it matters that it needs to be something bigger than them. And so a lot of people use a group of, of trusted friends. 
And that while one other person uh, isn't really an ideal higher power, if you were to go to two or three people for help or advice and uh, pick the middle of all of their advice, you're going to be taken care of, right? Because having that group balances out everybody's crazy, everybody's baggage, and it allows you to pick the, the most loving, sensible response to anything that's happening. So a higher power could simply be the wisdom of three people, which is greater than the wisdom of one person. Um, it, it, and, and so for those of you who might be um, agnostic or atheist, when we say design a higher power, what we mean is have a framework for this kind of support that works for you, that feels loving and genuine for you. For some people, higher power could be, uh, it could even be um, scripture for Christians, right? Go into the, go into the, to the, to the Bible and find the guidance that's there for you. That might not work for me, but it's something that is a source of guidance and support and help that feels right. Now, for the people who are, uh, who believe in a deity, a sentient being, um, like myself, my listeners know I'm not, I don't qualify as Christian, but I do believe in a God. Um, the purpose of designing a higher power is that if you believe your higher power disapproves of you, if you believe your higher power is coming after you, um, then how on earth can you invite that system of support in to help you. Now, the logic of this is that if you believe that God is everything, if you believe that God is all, then that means God is approval and disapproval. God is good. God also contains the evil, right? God is everything. And therefore, since we can't know all about God, like you just said, we can't know everything that God is, why not wrap our heads around the parts of God that we can't understand. Some people envision a God that's like a loving parent. Some people envision a God that's like a sibling, um, a, a, a person that will behave in a way that feels supportive. And so I wonder if you have anything else to add to that. Uh, I think that is absolutely 100% right on. And I think that if even if you do come from uh, a more rigid faith tradition, like I, I came from Catholicism. I, if I were still Catholic, I don't think there would be uh, any tension between um, the the concept of designing my higher power uh, and what I was raised with. Even though what I was raised with doesn't work for me, if I were still with that, I, I think it would it still work because. You know, every major religion believes that, you know, the the higher power of that religion, of that spiritual uh, uh, system, uh, is is too great to be comprehended, no right. matter what. Yes. And even if you believe in no religion, there's still, you know, uh, I recently read Astrophysic, Astrophysics for uh, People in a Hurry by Neil deGrasse Tyson. Okay, yeah. Um, and, you know, even the 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 physical laws of the universe are too great for 
certainly any one person to understand, but even our scientists don't understand everything totally. We still mm -hmm. don't really know how gravity works. We're getting yeah. a better idea all the time since we discovered gravity waves. That was that was great, but mm -hmm. we're still kind of confused about how gravity works. And when we get into those big star systems, we don't know how it works. So there are going to be, there, there are rules and laws in the universe that you're not gonna understand and that's okay. Focus on what you can understand and that is what what um, what seems right and wrong for you. For me, right and wrong has to do with how the um, how I interact with uh, the community around me, um, how I am uh, bringing value to other people and and helping other people. Um, that's right. Uh, when I take and exploit from other people, that's wrong. Um, and uh, and that's all I again. That's really all I re need to know. Yeah. Um, and I I start there and I I make my decisions that way. And and you and like you beautifully said, having uh, a group of people to consult that have uh, similar beliefs about how to how to move within this world has been so helpful for me. There when yeah. I you know I was not a person who asked for help ever mm -hmm. um, before getting sober. Uh, getting sober was kind of the first time I ever asked for help in a long, long time. Right. And um, I uh, I know when I am feeling stuff, when I'm perplexed over stuff, this is stuff I used to just fester on, just bury. Oh, yeah. Now I reach out. Mm -hmm. When something's bothering me, I reach out and I talk to people I trust and try and get some insight from them. And that's how I talk to my higher power. Yes. I think, I think that's perfect because, you know, we didn't set it up. I, I didn't set it up this way at the beginning of the episode, but everyone who's listening here knows someone touched by addiction, uh, knows someone who's touched by compulsion. And what we're saying is if these tools and if these concepts are powerful enough to pull us back from the jaws of addiction, then these things also work when you have a conflict with someone at work. They also work when your mother pushes your buttons and they also work when you can't have what you want out of life. Like it, it, it they work for the big traumas and they work for the little stuff too. And that's why I felt this was such a valuable episode um, because there are people who just don't know this stuff. Ironically, people who are on a path of spiritual awakening often find this same information because these concepts are universal among uh, spiritual teachers. You find a lot of these concepts if you dig under the surface, even in Catholicism, that yes. back in the day when these things were, 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 were being accepted by the masses, these are the ideas that rituals were built upon you know, these yes. same concepts. And uh, I do want to say, though, you talked about how the forces of physics and uh, are greater than a person. But when Bath and Body Works says buy one, get one free candles, I can bend space time. And I just, <laughs> I, I just need you to know I'm getting my, I'm getting my candles. So, uh, yeah, I want to have that caveat. So let's and keep that going. Is a great point. That's a great point about all these spiritual traditions kind yeah. of having that same thing. Um, you know, I read a lot of uh, Taoism, uh, the Tao Te Ching and um, Xuanza, and um, I read a lot of Stoicism. 
And these concepts about the higher power and accepting life on life's terms are prominent concepts in those two uh, traditions as well. And they're from very different times and very different places. So it is yeah. very universal. So let's talk about shame. Shame is the reason why so many of us turn to compulsions. Um, and uh, it deepened our reliance on these various substances, whether it's food or drugs or alcohol, to, to, to numb and, and muffle the shame we felt. And so we've said that uh, shame lives in darkness and that when we, we, we take the lid off the shame box and we, we let light shine on it, it loses its power. And I know that there is a, an expression that we use in the rooms about shame and the burden of it. And uh, why don't you share with us how that goes? Sure, well, right, just very along these lines, one of my favorite expressions um, is a burden shared uh, is cut in half and joy shared is doubled. Yes. Um, and that also ties into our former topic about, um, you know, about, having a higher power and having a, a, a group that's how i use my higher power in my groups uh, of trusted people i i like i said i go to them with a burden and um uh i find it's really true uh and the again prior to this sort of journey i'm on now uh i i was i was an island right i would walk alone whatever was happening to me I would either hold inside bitterly or I would lash out and act out over it. Neither very healthy at all. Um, so instead of doing a tweet storm of anger or, <laughs> or sitting around moping in bed or, you know, punching my wall, um, Again, I reach out and I, I share, and this goes for shame, and this goes for things that I am um, hurt by. Yes. This this goes for things I'm you know uh, I, I'm disappointed in. This goes for things that perplex me. When I it, all any of those burdens, when I share them, um, then uh, they are less scary. Um, you know that. I saw someone share on Instagram today about um, uh, something about uh, psychotherapy um, that uh, was really poignant um, that, you know, a, a therapist doesn't and, you know, a lot of my friends aren't like trained therapists, but they do some of that same work for me. Uh, a therapist doesn't um, kill the monsters. The therapist invites them into the room so that you can see that they have no teeth, they got no nothing in their hands, and they're scared and uh, and weak. Yeah. Um, and uh, invites them into the room so you can face them. Yes. And that's what sharing a burden does. You can you can see it for what it is when you're when you're um, when you're sharing this burden, when you're sharing the shame with someone, something you're very ashamed of, or something that's really just bothering you because you can't figure it out um it, it loses its teeth yes. it loses its teeth so fast and the more you do it the easier it gets and the more effective that gets yes yes and you don't need to take our word for it 
again, you can go to any religious practice from Catholicism to Judaism. They, they all have processes where you look at what is weighing you down and you share it with someone, right? You either go get absolution for a priest or you have your family ritual in Judaism. And, and the point is that if you don't get it off your chest, you begin to withdraw, you begin to live in fear, you begin to live in isolation because you don't want people to know. And uh, the fact is, like you said, with that whole monster scenario and the therapist, it's like the thought and the belief of what we're holding is so much more harmful than, uh, uh, than what is really there right? The power is in the thought and the energy we give to it rather than what it actually is. And I mean, why do you think therapy works, right? Why do people pay for therapy? Because they need to go get stuff off their chest. They need to explain what's weighing them down. And uh, yeah, and we do that in recovery um, very often. That's what we share about in meetings, right? Like uh, when we talk with, with other members of a fellowship, we share that stuff so that it doesn't weigh us down and push us back into our compulsions. Again, that's why it works on the small stuff too. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's talk, uh, uh, this kind of dovetails with the concept of uh, shame. It talks, it touches on the concept of reaching out to other people. Um, if you compare, you despair. So tell us what that is all about. Oh, God, that's another great phrase that I use all the time. Um, and, you know, I brought up Instagram in the last answer. Talk about the place where you can compare and despair <laughs> more Don't than... look at Kendall Jenner's Instagram, I, okay? Oh, man, like, you know, people are uh, curating... On social media, people are curating um, their lives to put forward to maintain an image that they want. And even outside of social media, that people, you don't see all the warts, you know? People, people put makeup over it. So when we are comparing ourselves to others, we're comparing ourselves to the image that they want us to see um, or the, the image that they've, they've put forward. So it's really, it's not, it's not useful. Again, it gets, get, goes back to that delusional um, mindset that, um, you know, we want to get away from. Um, it's, it's delusional to think that anyone's life is as perfect as it seems yes. from what you're allowed to see. So when you compare and you say, I wish I had, uh, you know, that, uh, that kind of success, I wish I had the boat, I wish I had the house, I wish I had the husband, uh, you know, I wish I had the little corgi and, uh, you know, the, uh, all the vacations, you're not seeing the whole picture. And there are probably some dark things that, that go along with all that stuff that you don't have to experience. Yes. It's best to just um, focus on yourself. Don't yes. compare to, uh, don't compare your uh, uh, successes and failures to what other people uh, are putting out there. Um, it's just not a complete and whole picture. And so therefore it's not 
a wise comparison to make. Are you happy? That's what that do you, are you grateful for what you have? Are you, um, you know, are I have this this cat that's sitting right here at my feet. It's adorable. And it's it's the sweetest thing in the world. And I have to I remind myself all the time how grateful I am that I have these two cats that love me so much. Yes. And uh, that's a wonderful thing. And not everyone can have that, you know. So, um, you know, are are you living in gratitude for yes. what you have? Are you? Um, you know, appreciating, um, you know, again, both the, the Stoics and the Taoists and the Buddhists all preach this, you know, being grateful for what you have. Uh, you never know when it can be taken from you and not trying to leap over the next hill, you know, yes. um, yeah. uh, trying to get the next thing, not waiting and appreciating what you you've already attained forgetting about it, ignoring it and and worrying about the next thing it's yes. not healthy and it doesn't work no and i mean if you want to take this to a really practical level um the last episode was uh on or two episodes ago was about accepting the expectations of others as your own and so here's here's what happens to us right as 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 kids and adolescents we learn um a blueprint for life that is really great for some people and we extrapolate on that that it is the only way to achieve a quality life and you know the reason that meditation is so powerful is because it gives you a chance to go inside and learn about yourself to thine own self be true. And the fact is, is it necessary to get your two-year-old into that elite pre-K? Is it necessary? Like, can you know that you are hurting your kids' chances by not doing that? Like, can you really know that? Is, is, is that what you really want? Or is that what you have absorbed as necessary according to a standard that doesn't even belong or fit you? And, and you know, do I need to be a vice president of such and such area of business to have a reasonable life? Maybe so. For some people, that is a fulfilling, exciting part of their life. But for me, so many of us have pursued careers that would allow me to fall into someone else's mold. And it wasn't until I got knocked down and someone held my hand and helped me look inside to realize I don't want that. And I didn't even know I didn't want it. If you would have asked me if I wanted it, I would have said yes, and I would have believed it 100%. But the fact is that I want, I, I, I didn't really want what all these other people had. It just seemed like the winning combination. And by looking inside, 
I was able to sort through that fog. And so when we say don't compare, that sounds ridiculous. It sounds impractical not to compare ourselves to others. We see things on the street and we want them, right? But do yourself the favor of knowing yourself, of taking time to go inside and saying, do I want this because it's going to make me feel right? Or do I want this because I love myself and there's going to be an experience of joy and it's going to really enrich the joy in my life? Those are not the same thing always. Exactly. And I'm really glad you brought up careers. I had a conversation with a friend in my circle of experts uh, the other day um, about ambition. And, you know, ambition isn't necessarily a bad thing. Ambition is no. good. Ambition got me where I'm at today. But there were times where I was ambitious and miserable um, because I was uh, pursuing things that I didn't necessarily really want or That's right. really weren't for me because I thought that it was that was I that was what I was supposed to do. Yes. I need to be ambitious and I will find happiness if I'm ambitious for those things that are a good fit for me, that are attainable, that I'm ready for, that I've done the hard work on myself for, um, that I've prepared for, and um, you know, are are in my wheelhouse. And They're in harmony with your values. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. All right. I love. I love this. I think it's just so rich. I think it's so powerful. Uh, because I didn't know what I didn't know. Um, and, you know, if I share with the listeners kind of the alcoholic or the, the recovery prospect of this, there's so many reasons to go back into our compulsive behaviors. And listen, your problem might not be with a substance. You might be a workaholic, right? Where you, you, you work way harder than is necessary because you need to um, muffle some other area of your life. You need to numb out some other area of your life. It works just as well with cake. It works just as well with beer. It works just as well with, uh, with drugs, I promise you. Um, but the fact is, uh, know what matters to you, know your values. And when I work with clients, um, you know, that's, usually one of the first things that happens, someone walks in and says, I don't know why my life feels so blah. Like, why does my life feel so like it's on um, autopilot? And often it's because you have built a universe that doesn't belong to you. It was never meant for you. It was never yours. You know, uh, there is a world that will light your soul on fire. You just have to open your eyes and get quiet. So, Phil, we are uh, get we're running close to uh, to our time limit, but I do want to quickly go over one more. And so, I'm just going to let you talk on it, and I'm going to keep my mouth shut on it. And this is about keeping your side of the street clean. So, can you give the listeners just an overview of what it means to keep your side of the street clean? Absolutely. This is kind of the the, the mirror image to what we just talked about, which is when you compare, you just dis despair. Keeping your side of the street clean, you know, it, it really, um, another way to look at it is, uh, you know, 
that old saying, people in glass houses, or, uh, or for the, the Christians in the audience, uh, John 8, 7, let anyone, <laughs> let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw the stone. Everybody, um, Phil Reese is serving gospel realness on Refractive Podcast. It's, uh, you know, it, uh, again, it could, it goes down to look at yourself first. A lot of these really get down to focus inward instead of outward. So much of my life used to be focusing outward, um, trying to fix things outside of me, um, trying to be like people that I was never going to be like. But um, Phil... But Phil. He, everyone else is messed up. People are constantly getting in your way. People are constantly uh, hurting you, hurting your feelings, um, you know, cutting you off in traffic, uh, uh, flaking off, not showing up for commitments. Like other people are messed up. So why is it that it's useful to focus on my side of the street when there's so many other people who are dragging me down with their hot messes? Absolutely. And those people are still going to be hot messes, whether or not I focus on them. If if my focus is on other people's problems, other people's flaws, uh, I'm not going to get peace and serenity. I'm not going to find my joy. Um, that happiness, that fulfillment comes from inside of me. Um, and so it doesn't matter if someone else is cutting me off um in traffic it what matters is you know have i have i made my gratitude list for the day have i pet my cats have i um you know eaten a good meal um when i bring that focus back inward um and stop focusing on all the flaws i see on other people i stop noticing their flaws as much their flaws don't bother me as much and i can keep um, improving my life instead of trying to fix other people, mm -hmm. um, you know, because there's lots to fix in my life. Yeah. I've got yeah. a lot of work to do. I really don't have time to fix anyone else's life. <laughs> yes, that's right. Exactly. Man, this has been so great. I really, uh, I really love this. Let me just recap the main uh, nuggets of wisdom that we dug into today. We talked about uh, surrendering uh, which which is living life on life's terms rather than the life that we try to architect as if we could possibly architect anything. Um, the next was design a higher power that works for you, right? Think about what you need from a higher power, whether it is a sentient being or whether it is not, and uh, have that framework ready in your mind so that when the um, when the mess hits the fan, you have something to fall back on and uh, rely on for support. Uh, a burden shared is halved and uh, shame lives in darkness. So this was the third point that we talked about today. And um, there's a reason that it feels good to talk to a friend when something is going wrong. Um, do more of that. Don't just save it for the hard stuff. At the end of a day, if a coworker gave you a nasty side eye, it's okay to talk to someone and say, I don't know why she did that. It really upsets me. Well, because, you know, maybe there's, uh, maybe there's something you can do about it uh, internally instead of focusing externally on that. Uh, we talked about 
when you compare, you despair. And that in reality, as long as you know yourself, as long as you know what matters to you, as long as you understand your um, your values, it doesn't matter what other people are doing. Uh, and it only hurts us when we drown out the voice of guidance inside of us to adopt the voice of guidance of someone else. That is, uh, that is painful. Uh, and then the last one we talked about was keeping your side of the street clean. You know what? I apologize when I do something wrong. I focus on doing the things that are good and healthy for me. And if someone hurts my feelings, takes advantage of me, uh, or uh, behaves in a way that's not fair, I let them and karma handle them. I don't need to worry about that. Um, I just say, I'm sorry when for what I've done. And that's it. So, uh, all right, Phil, how can listeners uh, encounter you and your podcast and all of the goodness that comes out of uh, The Whole Phil? <laughs> well, uh, my podcast is called The Whole Phil Podcast, and you can find it on any podcatcher, just um, uh, all the major ones, at least, you know, Apple and Google and uh, iHeart and CastBox. Uh, Stitcher, just put, uh, just search for whole W H O L E Phil P H I L, uh, the whole Phil podcast, and it should come up, uh, as the top result or one of the first results. Um, please subscribe. I'd really appreciate it. You can also find my website at philipjreese.com. That's Philip with two L's. And, um, uh, you can find me on Twitter at really Phil Reese. You can find me on all these evil social medias. Uh, Facebook, I'm Phil Reese the DJ. Mm -hmm. And Instagram, I am Philip J. Reese. Uh, and I'm also Philip J. Reese on Twitch, where I DJ live on Tuesday and Thursday nights for 45 minutes. Yeah. From 7.10 to 7.55 uh, Eastern Time. Yes. PM, uh, club 45. Uh, and that's where you can find me. So wait, can you say what is, uh, can you tell people how they can find you on DJ? You said Twitch, uh, yeah. twitch.tv slash Philip J Reese. Okay. There you go. Perfect. All right, everybody. I want to thank you so much for joining us on refractive podcast today. I want to give my love and gratitude to Phil for uh, coming on to the show today. And as you go about your day and people are stepping on your toes and slamming your door, just remember to be good to other people and aim your light. Take care. You have been listening to Refractive Podcast and this is Johnny G. If you've enjoyed today's episode, do me a favor, give it a share on social media, or if you're in the podcast app, give it a rating. If you're on YouTube, click like. It really does make a difference in the search results. I am a speaker, coach, and facilitator based in Washington, D.C., but I work in person and remotely with people who are ready to step with clarity into their most authentic life. If I can be of service, reach out to me, Johnny, J-O-H-N-N-Y, at refractivecoaching.com. Have an amazing day. Be good to each other. And always remember, Aim your light. <laughs>